0: Welcome to So Here's The Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Laila Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail and let's get real. Hey friends, welcome back. I'm so excited to have a repeat guest on, Sarah Erickson of Sarah and Design. She's been on several episodes and she'll be on several more because full disclosure, she's one of my best friends. So I'm really excited to have Sarah on because this episode is at the time of airing, I will have just launched my brand new website and brand all designed by Sarah. And she actually did my last website and my last brand as well. And everyone who I've told that I was rebranding has asked me the exact same question. Like, why would you rebrand? Your current brand is beautiful. And I love that compliment. Sounds really cocky, but quite frankly, Sarah designed it. So I, <laughs> I feel like I can be um, really blunt about it. It is beautiful. It was perfect for what I needed at the time. And we've actually both talked about how bittersweet it is to kind of leave that brand behind and leave that website behind. So I'm going to kick it over to Sarah and let her kind of tell us a little bit about when is it time to rebrand? When, as business owners, should we be aware of the fact that our brand is no longer serving our clients and serving our brand well? Like, how, when will we know that? I'm going to kick it over to
1: Sarah. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited you're here. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Laylee, for having me back on. It's always fun to get to chat here and especially about a topic that I care so much about. Um, thank you for all the kind words about both your old brand and your new brand. It's always a treat to work on a brand for a dear friend, but also, like you said, a little bit bittersweet to let go of a brand that we both loved in favor of something that uh, we will grow to love too and that your new audience can love more. So I'm really excited for everybody to see it. By the time that this episode has come out, we'll have officially been able to share all of the hard work that we've been putting into it for a couple of months now. So that's that's always the most exciting part when we really get to share it with the world and, and see what they think. Um, As far as when it's time to rebrand, I think you have already hit the nail on the head right out of the gate with the fact that rebranding should happen when your ideal client changes. Like you mentioned, your old brand was no longer serving your audience in the way that it needed to. And I think that's really what's at the core of all of this. Um, It's not really about you or your preferences. Like you said, you still loved the old brand and I did too, Um, but your audience had changed a lot since we first started. I'll actually kick that back over to you for a minute. Do you want to just share a little bit about how much your business has changed since we first started and met and we're looking to target weddings all the way through building an education career? Um, you've experienced a, a pretty wide scope of changes since that
0: time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can say that again. Honestly, so when we first worked together, Sarah and I were trying really hard to find like a brand that could be used to attract wedding clients, so brides, um, high school seniors and dancers, a little bit of other photography, and then education for primarily other photographers. So it all did kind of tie together. And also, side note, I was one of those photographers and one of those business owners that thought, I want my brand to be me. I want my brand to be me. And that's what I just kept saying. And I, I see that a lot. Actually, um, I've just seen in the past month, like four or five people rebrand and share their, their new brands on Instagram. And they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying, this is so me. It's so me. It's not the industry. It's just about me. And I want to call all of them and be like, this is a mistake. Red flag. Like, it's great that it's you, but, but that's not, that's not your client. Like you need to, you need to Shift gears a little bit. So that's my tangent on that. But that brand really was like what I felt was a great depiction of me, especially the website. I was like, I want it to be 100% personal. I want it to be all about the things that I love. I want it to be the colors that I love. I want it to be the fonts that I love. I want everything hand calligraphed and beautifully done because I love romantic and whimsical things. Um, yeah, that no longer works for me. I have, you know, five different companies and within those five companies, they all do different things and they all have their own mini versions of a different brand. And it just got really confusing. I felt like my clients and my audience was getting confused. I felt like it was really hard to track like, Oh, Laylee does next level. Oh, Laylee does. So here's the thing. Oh, Laylee does photography. It was just really hard to, to, kind of track along with all of the things I offer. So anyway, all that being said, after talking with Sarah, we realized like, okay, we need to take this a whole different direction. And it was super bittersweet because like I said, my last brand was very personal and this brand is personal too, but it's, it's definitely more about my audience members than it is about me. And while that's emotionally difficult as a solo entrepreneur, it's also probably the best marketing move you can make. So if you're also, if you're listening and you're one of those like four or five people that just released a new brand, no shade, like props, that's going to be great, you know, just for future reference.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so much wisdom in that. Um, you know, yeah, I see a lot of people who do launch a brand that quote unquote feels like me, um, you know, and in some cases that works. Like we said, for your original brand, you happen to love feminine details and beautiful calligraphy. And at the time that we designed that brand, a lot of the audience you were attracting was brides. So it made sense. You know, there was a lot of overlap there that it happened to work, but that's not always the case. <laughs> um, it's definitely not always the case. And I think too, as creatives are always walking this fine line because our businesses are inherently personal and that is part of why people want to work with us, you know, they, they want the personal experience of connecting with someone who has the personality that they want to work with. But that being said, there is a balance there. You know, it's not all about you and what you like and your preferences. It definitely still has to appeal to that target audience. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the key there. It's just not about you. It is emotionally bittersweet to let go of that, but it is always about your target audience more than about your own personal preferences. Um, You get lucky if there's an overlap, but (laughs) there may not always be, um, depending on who that that audience is. That's something I want to talk about for a minute is who is an ideal client. Um, I think that's a phrase that is very popular and common and thrown around a lot in our industry, and there are a ton of different ways to interpret it, Um, some better than others. (laughs) I think for me, the way that I like to think of it is according to two criteria that would make someone an ideal client. So for me, the first one is someone who can afford to invest in your services. I think that is a foundational start to someone being an ideal client that can serve you and serve your business well. Number two, I think it's important for that client to bring you work that excites you. Um, I think you know, if if you weren't excited about your work, you might as well be in a corporate nine to five office. (laughs) There's no reason to be doing what you quote unquote love if the projects are not actually projects that you love. So I think those two things are super important. To talk about the first one a little bit more, someone who can invest in your services, they have to be able to invest in you at a price point that contributes to your desired income. Otherwise, they're not contributing to your business in an ideal way. And I think we have a lot of people in our industry that can make a lot of emotional business decisions. Maybe you really love the client and they're so sweet or, you know, there's these these special circumstances that kind of tempt you to think of them as an ideal client. But the bottom line is that they have to be able to invest in your services. Otherwise, it's just not a business decision. It's it's a favor at that point. Um, so that that has to be that foundational bottom line. And then secondly, I just think, like I said, that an ideal client has to bring you work that excites you. And it's often overlooked when people are creating that ideal client profile. You know, we spend all this time trying to decide where they shop or what clothes they like to buy. And it's always focused on on the client. But I think this is a moment where you do need to think about, but what about you? What's, what's fun for you? <laughs> you know, when you're trying to attract these ideal clients, um, what makes that project exciting. So for some people, it's working with a particular type of client um, as far as their personality and just their outlook. Are they going to be really laid back or really involved in the process? Those are some things that could contribute to whether a project is enjoyable or not. Um, And sometimes it's more related to a particular style or aesthetic that really aligns with your inspirations and makes you feel motivated or inspired. Um, So I would advise everyone to just kind of take a look back at maybe your top favorite clients and examine what do they have in common like what made those projects fun and inspiring um again i'm sure many of you have done an ideal client profile or an avatar before but i would encourage you to go back and look at it through this lens who can afford to work with you and who brings you projects that excites you what does it really mean for them to be an ideal client for you and start with that foundation before you get into any of the brand design or rebranding
0: yeah i think that's really great advice especially because i'm sure that you see a lot of people come to you and and kind of not know what they want i feel like even the fir- i'm i'm thinking back to before we worked together when I was still like DIYing everything and I like made my own website and I had a friend make my logo. And this was obviously years and years ago, but I remember when I came to work with you and you sent me like a questionnaire and this was, by the way, you guys, it's really funny. Like, Anna, I guess it's funny to me because I know you, but when we first, we're very close friends now, but we weren't when she first designed my first brand. So it was really cool to like get the full experience. And when I got sent over the questionnaire, I was like, wow, like a lot of thought goes into, um, I just sounded like Hamilton. Awesome. Wow. Um, a lot of thought goes into where, you know, where you are as a brand and what you want out of working together. And so I do think that like, taking the time to actually discover what it is that you want out of your brand and what you want out of um, your website or whatever, all of your design elements is so important and something that I think not a lot of us think about. A, a ton of people, I mean, I know that the majority of my listeners, um, I know you guys probably are not of the of the whole like, oh, a brand is a logo. I know that you guys know better than that. But um, I do think that there's like even more depth that could that could go along with it.
1: Yeah. And you don't have to know everything about how to appeal to that ideal client. You just have to know who that person is. You know, that's part of what the brand designer will do is translate you desiring to work with this particular person and attract projects that are a good fit for you. And um, they'll be able to, to take that and, and design something that will appeal to that audience. But we do need to have that foundation or starting point so that again, only you can know what projects are fun for you and what budgets are a price point that contributes to your family income. So knowing those things will then allow the brand designer to kind of bridge that gap of appealing to that audience. So you don't have to know everything. We'll guide you through that with a questionnaire, but you you do need to know a little bit about who you're hoping to work with.
0: Love that. Okay. So I guess my next
1: question for you
0: is what do you do, or what would you advise someone do if they were, they they knew that their current brand wasn't like hundred percent working for them, but they weren't completely ready to invest in a whole new brand website overhaul. Because I feel like when you do invest in a new brand and a new website and all the new things, it should last you quite a while. Like you really want your brand to last as long as possible. And I think, I think it's become really common for people to be like, I've rebranded, I've rebranded like 15 times within like three years. And I'm like, you got to think about, does Nike rebrand every five years? No, absolutely not. Um, which, by the way, leads me back. Oh my gosh, this episode is out of control, you guys. Um, which leads me back to my first point of, this is why it's important not to make it all about you because you are going to change every few years. Your personality is going to change. Your likes and loves are going to change. Your color preferences are going to change. Everything is going to change about you, but your brand needs to be a constant. So let's say they're not quite there to invest in like that full, constant, new hardcore rebrand. How do we bridge the gap between your current brand that isn't doing all the things it needs to do and your new brand whenever it is that you're ready to invest in it? What can
1: people be doing in the meantime? Yeah, definitely. That's a super good question. Um, So if you're noticing that gap, that probably does mean, like we said from the beginning, that your ideal client has changed. And we can get into the different reasons that you know, an ideal client might change later on. But if you're starting to feel that that gap and feel that you're not necessarily reaching those ideal clients consistently anymore, um, that does mean that you're probably hoping to do a rebrand at some point in the future. And you can feel that you can feel that the inquiries coming in are not aligning with the types of projects that you want to book um, and that you're just not able to to reach that level of elevation that perhaps your services you know, have, have come to be at. So I think in the meantime, while you're, you know, saving up to invest in a brand or maybe taking the time to do a little bit of that soul searching about who this new ideal client is, there are a lot of things that you can do to kind of hold you over and (laughs) to get the most mileage you can out of that previous brand. I think what we're talking about there is just up leveling your services and your client experience. So obviously you, you have a brand that you're going to be working with. Um, you know, the design probably won't be changing too much until you can invest in that rebrand. But in the meantime, there are a lot of things that you can do to uplevel your services without having to change the design. So I think one way you can do that is through client experience, Um, really up-leveling that and elevating that into something that feels like it's at that next level of luxury or client experience. Those could be things like finding a thoughtful welcome gift. I know so many of you probably already have great ideas for that, and that's something y'all have talked about on the show before. Um, But just those little touches that help elevate the experience without changing the design those can go a long way to to elevate your business in the meantime until you're ready to tackle the design. I also think that's a great time to invest in education and to work with a coach or a mentor again who can help you identify those shifts in your target audience and kind of lay the groundwork for that brand so that when you get to that point, you do have a good idea of how the audience has changed and how you might want to appeal to them in a new way. Um, I think that's the perfect time to, to do that and to invest in the education that will help you keep up leveling. I think a couple of other things you could invest in at that time would be copywriting or imagery. Again, those are going to be huge things once we get to a website design that you're going to need (laughs) and have that up-leveled content. Um, And there's no reason that you can't start working on that part a little bit sooner, whether that's, you know, investing in a brand photo shoot with a professional photographer you can trust, or working with a professional copywriter to um, to hone the website copy that you plan to use. There are all these little things that you can kind of do in the meantime so that you feel more and more prepared for that rebrand once you do hit that point. Those
0: are all amazing tips, especially as somebody who is like I, I did not prepare in that way. And so I will just say quite frankly, like it it can be really overwhelming when you want to do like that full overhaul and you're like oh, I don't have new imagery. Oh, I have to grit that really fast. And I have to find a photographer who has availability and all the things. And so, um, I appreciate all those steps. And I think that that is really good, like homework that we could assign our listeners to kind of like get going on. So that's awesome. Don't you have like a free resource or something like things that people can do without hiring a brand designer? Is that right? Uh, yes, I have an elevate your services workbook. Perfect. <laughs> okay. We're, we're going to link that into the show notes for you guys. Cause it, everything Sarah puts out is freaking amazing education and
1: I'm excited about it. So, um, that'll definitely walk you through a couple of those items, like what you can do to uplevel your client experience. Um, and I both love workbooks and worksheets, so (laughs) it'll have a couple, a couple of fill in the blanks. And then, um, a little checklist of a few things that you could do, you know, even this week, just to add one little thing that helps uplevel your brand as a whole, even if the design itself is not changing. Oh, that's
0: awesome. I love being able to give our listeners some real tactical stuff to um to tangibly work on. So that's amazing. Okay, so what are some reasons that your ideal client would change?
1: Yeah, so I think there are several different reasons that that ideal client and audience can shift. We talked about that a little bit for you that it was a change of services and really of industry, you know, a change of industry <laughs> from wedding and photography into education. That is huge. Um, like we said, you needed a logo originally that felt elegant and feminine, something that it could appeal to brides and to seniors, but still attracting a lot of women creative entrepreneurs. And since that time, your career as an educator has totally taken off. You're not offering wedding photography anymore, so there's no need to attract couples. And then on top of that, you're not just speaking to a small set of creative women anymore. Your audience has expanded in a huge way and needed to be something more flexible, more versatile that can encompass all the different things that you're doing. So that's a huge shift and change of industry. I also think there are a couple of smaller ways that your audience can shift one of which would be a change of pricing. So if you've honed your skills and increased pricing for your previous audience, um, they may no longer be able to afford you. And like I said, that that puts them out of the category of an ideal client. If they can't afford your services, they're definitely not an ideal client. And that's a legitimate reason to consider a rebrand to a higher end market. Um, I think also a change or addition of services would fall into that category. So if you've added a new course perhaps, or um, you've launched mentoring sessions or a different type of photography, again, your new offering may overlap with your current audience, but it also might not. Um, And then sometimes your new offering gains traction and takes off and, kind of has its own trajectory and becomes the main component of your business. And in that case, again, you might need to prioritize that new audience that's seeking the new service um, instead instead of your original audience. So I think any of those can definitely lead to that change in an ideal client and that would necessitate a rebrand so much more than wanting it to feel more like me or any of the other reasons that we had talked about before.
0: That's so helpful. I feel like we're totally throwing so much shade at the, like, it feels like me thing, but I just want to reiterate that that was a hundred percent me last time. Like I was, I was the number one fan of like, make it feel like me. I want it to be all about me. I feel like a personal brand should be all about you. False. Okay. Um, so now that I've said that all over it's again. Nuanced. It's nuanced. Okay. okay. I
1: Sometimes l- it overlaps and other times it doesn't. So I think it's just it's good to be aware if you are someone who falls into that place where it overlaps, or you might not be, and that's okay too.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's a balancing act. Like I do want it to feel somewhat like me. I want people to be able to re to relate to me and to understand who they're going to be working with. But I just I think my pitfall was being like, it should all be representative of me versus oh, I also need to represent my client. But anyway. um, Okay. So let's, we're going to wrap up with your unpopular opinion as
1: per usual. Uh, So share with us your unpopular opinion on when to rebrand. Okay. I think my unpopular opinion on, on this topic will be when not to rebrand. And there are a few that come to mind. (laughs) I think the first is when you're bored, there are so many people that just get tired of their original brand and they're looking for something fun and new and glamorous and exciting in their business. (laughs) And brand design can have a lot of excitement attached to it. You know, it's one of those really tangible, beautiful things that you can do in your business. So it is, it's really fun to see that final brand come to life, but it can't be based on you just itching to try something new or have a new look. Um, That's, that's not going to be a strategic business move for you. I think another time not to rebrand is when you're jealous. <laughs> you see a lot of new people launching brands or one that you love. And I just don't think that can serve us well when the foundation to the brand design is getting, getting jealous or comparing to other designs out there that were designed to appeal to a different audience than perhaps your own. Um, I think the best way to start is always with the foundation of yourself and your clients, um, rather than, than getting jealous or comparing to somebody else's new look. And then lastly, maybe this is also unpopular advice for sure, but (laughs) I don't think it's time to rebrand necessarily when you're not booking. Um, I think a lot of people jump to that really quickly. If they're not booking, the first thing they say is, well, I need to rebrand. And that may not always be the move for everybody. I don't think you should necessarily jump into a rebrand if you're noticing this pattern of not booking because there are so many other factors that come into your marketing of your business. Um, And a rebrand is, is a big deal. You know, it's a, it's a big investment. And I think if the foundation is not there, you're just going to end up having to rebrand again, you know, in six months or a year, if you don't have that solid foundation to it. So I think take a good look at the other factors first to see if there are any missing pieces of the puzzle before you invest in that brand strategy and design. Um, But don't jump to it as the first thing that needs to change if you're experiencing a slump in booking.
0: Oh my gosh. The Like if you listen to nothing else in the episode, those were awesome pieces of advice, especially the jealousy thing. Like I'm just going to put myself out there hundred percent. I feel that all the time because I'm so, I get so excited for other people's new looks and new things. And I'm like, that looks amazing. I want that too. And I think it's just so important to kind of combat that comparison and realize like it's great for them. You can be excited for them, but it doesn't necessarily fit you. And you didn't do that in the first place for a reason. So thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing all your expertise. I love having you on. It's just like such a fun energy to have.
1: Well, thanks for having me back on. I am so excited for everybody to see your new look and also that we've been able to honor your old brand. You know, it it did so much to get you where you are today. And I think that's worth mentioning and honoring is just, just what a great brand it was, but also being able to move forward in the future with a brand that can appeal to a wider audience and where you are now. Um, and I'm just really excited to see how that takes off and and for everyone else to see the hard work we've put into it.
0: Oh my gosh, me too. Honestly, I'm like in mourning for my, for my sweet little blue brand. I, I loved it so much and I love it so much. Um, it was definitely, and it was such a huge change. I, you guys have to go check it out. Like Not to be like, look at my new brand, but look at what Sarah has created. She took like five different companies, made them all cohesive, made them all fit. Like it all looks just really clean and really perfect for my ideal client and for my audience. And so I'm really excited and you probably actually have seen it. If you're listening to this episode, the artwork on the podcast has likely changed by this point. So you're seeing the new brand in action um, and I'm super, super thankful. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks so much. Talk to you guys next time. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to SoHere'sTheThingPodcast.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review in iTunes. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.